0: In Romans chapter 12, you can meet me there. and We'll read together in just a little bit. Uh, while you're finding that, let me do some mop up on aisle one. Jeff dropped food everywhere. So uh, my wife helps me. She helps me out. She, she said, remind them. We talk about this all the time, and I forget to remind you. When we say family nights with treehouse, don't be under the misguided assumption that it's only for families with children. Mean families. It means our Oakwood Family Night. That's what it means. It means you should call Body Night because some people might be thinking, "Oh, this is for families with children." No, it's it's for all ages. Your kids could be long gone, or you maybe didn't even have kids. Uh, the adult portion doesn't matter if you're single, married, or what. It doesn't none of that matters. Uh, family Night means. Oakwoods family night, and you are part of the family, so you are invited. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Now, if you have kids, I don't want you to go home and say, Oh, it's not for family, so we can't go. Please, Julie's going to make me come up here and clean it up every week. Everybody, come. That's as simple as that. And then next Sunday. Next Sunday is spring break. It starts spring break for most of our schools. And we know a lot of people are going to be gone because we had a hard time getting a a worship team together. Uh, And so what we're doing next Sunday is one service. Everybody say one service. And it's going to be 11 o'clock because we don't want to mess up the Sunshine Park rhythm. And so we're going to have one service at 11 Nothing changes with children's ministry. Y'all come to 11, and we'll have our service. Wally Rose, former uh, lead pastor at Hadley Community Church. Wally's going to be preaching. I scheduled this months ago because uh, I found out that Wally is doing the uh, prisons. He does a prison ministry. He's the chaplain for all the nearby prisons. And we were chatting about it and he's like, man, I, I just, I need like five or six women and men uh, to help go into the prisons with me and, and meet with people. And I thought Oakwood probably has people that would really respond to that type of ministry. So Wally Rose is going to preach next Sunday and present uh, as well, the prison ministry. And some of you might just be pushed, led, spurred uh, to maybe participate in that. So that's what's happening next week. One service, 11 o'clock. So um, I mentioned our worship team. Did you see all the, I mean, we've got wounded wing. Owen over there had surgery, so he's got a cast on. Did you see Patch the guitar player? He's awesome. We've got a pirate on stage. Uh, Kevin's uh, having double vision. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for Owen, Uh, but uh, I mean, it's the worst diagnosis. They told Kevin, it'll go away in a month. Or six. And so, <laughs> he just has to wear the patch when he drives and other things like that. So, uh, he, he definitely won up me. He's a one-eye guitar player and that's pretty impressive. So, uh, but thank you worship teams. I just, we as a church need to keep thanking our volunteers that so faithfully serve. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you all of you. Now, cleanup is finished. Let's jump into Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Let me pray. You pray with me. If you're willing to say this prayer, just say silently in your heart, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just quiet your heart and give him that prayer. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, we pray that you'd be glorified. Everyone hearing this would be edified and that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans. Faith on a firm foundation. And then last week, I'm going to do a little bit of cleanup on aisle two now. Uh, because last week first service, I didn't give you the last slide. How many firstborn people here were just going crazy because they had empty spots on their notes? Yeah, sorry about that, firstborn. I know you care deeply about making sure you complete all your assignments. So uh, I am a baby of the family, and so I, you know, I'm the one who made the thing and didn't even preach it. So uh, that's how babies of the family do things. But here is just a recap, and plus, if you have last week's notes, which by the way, I'm not thinking you'd like to treasure these things and keep them with you. But in case somebody's here that to fill them out, I will give you. Last week's big idea was time for total transformation, just verses one and two. And uh, this is where Paul urges us, remember, to be transformed. And here's the slide I did not give you. It's an invitation to transformation, which is a call to commitment. There's no other way about it. It's a call to commitment. Paul's teaching us about action, sacrifice, worship, service. These are things you choose to do or not to do. So it's a call to commitment, but it's also a call to change. No doubt about it, in those two verses, he said, you were once conformed to the pattern, but now you should be transformed by a renewed mind. And so that is where we were at last week, the the finished conclusion to that was we have been called by God's love and mercy to be transformed into the image of Jesus. We have the opportunity to start new and fresh through salvation offered by God as a result of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We must allow our minds to be renewed by setting our thoughts on eternal things in order to be changed from the inside out. That is what we talked about about Romans 12, 1 and 2 last week. And it's good to remind you of those things because Paul's going to continue in the same line of thinking. Uh, quite often we get compartmentalized and we, we each Sunday get up and it's like, okay, here's a, here's a passage. Well, the passage sits in a greater passage and we need to know the context to really understand what Paul is saying. As a biblicist, somebody who opens the Bible and reads it at home, please, Look to see the context. If you read one or two verses, you need to really look back and see where is it sitting? What is the real meaning? What is the person trying to get across? What is God's message for me? And so what we're going to talk about today is directly related to Romans twelve one and 2. And what we're going to talk about today are spiritual gifts. You just didn't know they came wrapped in giraffes and sunshine, right? Uh, My wife helped me wrap two of these, but I wrapped the rest by myself, so don't come look closely. It's really bad. But we have some gifts on stage, because I want you to be thinking about spiritual gifts. I'm going to say right from the get-go that I am not going to do an exhaustive, full, inclusive study of spiritual gifts today. There's not enough time to do that. We might, at some point uh, in the near future... Take a couple of weeks and do a special study just on spiritual gifts. There's way too much to say. And I honestly don't think Paul was trying to teach spiritual gifts as much as he's trying to teach what a life that is self-sacrificing, living sacrifice, what it looks like. That's what I think Paul's trying to teach, coming off of Romans 12, 1 and 2. So let's read Romans twelve, three through 8. I'll read it. You follow along. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul is teaching us that a life characterized by worship is expressed in self-sacrifice, self-sacrificial service for God by serving others. Does that make sense? I think that's what Paul is trying to continue on from Romans 12, 1 and 2. this passage does not list all of the spiritual gifts. Matter of fact, let me tell you something, there is not a passage in Scripture that lists all the spiritual gifts. But if you take the roughly six different passages that talk about spiritual gifts, there's roughly 22 spiritual gifts listed in Scripture. I don't know if that's exhaustive, but if you take all of them together and put them together There's about 22 spiritual gifts. Now I'm going to put this up on the screen. And again, I'm not trying to teach through this today. So you might have a lot of questions about each one of these. These are roughly the ones that I see that are prominent, but I'm not saying these are all the gifts. They're spiritual gifts that God gives us. This isn't something that you pick and choose. We don't go shopping for gifts today. That's why I made these packages up. It would be interesting for people in the church to hear these and go, ooh, I want the blue one. I want the blue one. No, that's not how it works, friends. We're not going shopping. This is not a Target trip. We're not running off to the store here. God gifts each one. I think Paul clearly teaches that he believes every believer gets at least one spiritual gift. You might have two, maybe three. I don't know, but nobody has all of them. Can I just that very clear? Nobody has all the gifts, and there's a reason for that. There's a beautiful, beautiful reason for that, um, but we'll talk more about these as we go. Again, it's so hard for me not to want to get into an exhaustive study on these, but we will eventually. Spiritual gift of leadership, administration, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy. I won't go into it too much, I promise, but when you get the word prophecy there, I know some of you think technically the definition you know about prophecy. That's somebody telling the future, future tellers, right? Um, you know, tarot cards. I'm going to bring my tarot cards because I have the gift of prophecy, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. No, it's not that at all. Really, honestly, prophecy, the best way to describe it is it's what you're experiencing right now. A person gets up and proclaims what God has said. It's, it's, it's the gift of uh, giving God's words. Discernment is a gift Discerning of the spirits, the Bible calls that. Uh, The Bible says that in the end days, there are going to be those that are preaching from a false spirit. And so we need people in the body to have a discerning spirit to recognize truth from lie. Exhortation. Uh, exhorting people. That's not, I know people think that's the preaching one, but exhorting is actually going to somebody and spurring them on to good works. Like, hey, come on, let's go do that Easter thing Pastor Don talked about. And I'm going to follow up and make sure you did it. Those are good exhorter people. Shepherding is a spiritual gift. Evangelism, encouragement, serving, caring, mercy, giving, hospitality, faith. Again, they're not all of them, and some of you are like, Pastor Don's leaving the ones out that he doesn't like, but I'm not going to touch on them. Really, I see in Scripture, as I look at them, you can break all the spiritual gifts into three Categories. Some, most people say two. I think you can break them into three. And thankfully they all start with the letter S. There are speaking gifts. You speak something, right? Those are speakers. You'll see those gifts up on the screen. Speaking gifts. And then there are serving gifts. I didn't mean to squeak my voice. I went back to middle school. Serving gifts. Everybody say speaking. Everybody say serving. Basically all the ones you see here, you can break into those two categories. But there's a whole other category that I'm not, hiding or denying, and they're called sign gifts. Everybody say sign gifts. Now, the sign gifts are things like miracles, um, uh, speaking in tongues, healing. Uh, we, we did a song today that talks about, I have the authority you have given me. Uh, I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. But I believe it's something that God does. And I think we got to be careful with that because I don't know, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I don't know that a person is given the gift of healing other people because God does the healing. And we all ought to be praying for people to be healed. We ought to be praying for miracles, but I just stay away from saying, I have the gift. It's me. I do it. Miracles. No, you don't do miracles. None of you can. Some of you might be more uh, prone to praying for miracles and healing, and that's a great ministry as well. We as the elders, the Bible tells us, uh, when somebody calls upon the elders of the church, we are to go to them with oil and and anoint their head with oil and pray over them. It's God's prescription. That's what he said to do, and so we do that. If anybody calls us as elders, we will come and pray over you with the oil. But we don't. To a man, none of us claims to be healers that I think of, Jeff. We don't claim to be healers, but we know a healer. Amen. His name is God. (laughs) His son is Jesus, and he can do miracles, and he can heal. So I just want to talk about the sign gifts just for a second. The sign gifts were used specifically in the New Testament, speaking in tongues, healing, and um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, miracles, miracles, healing, speaking in tongues, those all definitely happened in the New Testament, but they were used to authenticate Jesus's ministry and they were used at the beginning of the church age. Speaking in tongues was definitely necessary when the church gospel needed to be spread. People needed to hear the news in their language. And so, uh, I believe that speaking in tongues is, is, uh, God's remedy for these kind of situations. I'm not saying speaking in tongues cannot happen today, but I do think the sign gifts can be, if you look at all the gifts, sign gifts are potentially misused and abused. They can be. Not many people are abusing the gift of mercy. Are you with me? Right? But, There can be a manipulation when it comes to some of the, And I'm not picking on, we are non-denominational as a church, so I'm not picking on other denominations. But if anybody were to proclaim that you're not saved unless you speak in tongues, that's a problem because you're adding to the gospel. And so that is happening today. There are denominations that preach that you must speak in tongues to show that you have the Spirit, I don't see that in Scripture. Tongues was used specifically, and every time tongues is used in a church setting, there must be an interpreter. So honestly, I know I grew up Baptist. Don't hate me. Uh, I know I grew up Baptist, but uh, I I am concerned that when I do see things happening, of the sign gifts, I don't see it following Scripture quite often. Uh, Whenever tongues is used, there ought to be an interpreter telling, what's the point? What's the point of speaking in tongues if it's not giving a message from God? Somebody's got to be there to then give that message in a language that everybody understands. So you're okay. You're okay. I'm okay, right? Okay, maybe not so much, but we we tried. You just say, Pastor, really tried. Paul's teaching assumes that every Christian has been given at least one gift. And that's, that's really all I'm going to do on gifts. I, I, I'll get there later. I, I, I'm not going to go through all 22. I'm not going to try to explain them. I'm not going to explain why I'm a cessationist that believes that some of the signed gifts have ceased. I will say as a caveat to some of you, I do read Scripture, and Scripture says in the end days, the signed gifts will return. And so some of you might be saying, PD, you're missing the... You're. Okay, if we're in the end days, you can expect to see... Some of these sign gifts happening once again. Why? The importance of giving people the gospel. Let's remember that. Never to exhort an individual, an individual. None of these gifts should be to put you on some kind of a high pedestal. They're not. They're gifts we don't earn, we don't get ourselves. They're given to us by God to be used in the body, period. That's where we're at. All right, shut up, preacher. Let's go. So, verse 3 a call to think correctly. What do we think correctly about verses three through eight? Well, the first thing we're taught is, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So if we leave here today thinking, who is he to tell me that I can't use my gift And my gift is this and that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. We're missing the actual preaching. The pastor wrote the letter and he told you the point is, Give your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Don't be arrogant about your giving of your life, right? We got to stay humble. Think humbly. How do you think correctly about spiritual gifts? Think humbly. Not thinking too highly of myself. 2 Timothy 3 says this. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I say this carefully, don't get it wrong. Well, we are great lovers. <laughs> we are. As the end times come, mankind are really good lovers, but we're lovers of self. We're lovers of money, and we're lovers of pleasure. And this is what Paul is telling us. By offering your body as a living sacrifice means humble service. Humble service. So don't think too haughtily of yourselves. Spiritual gifts are gifts of grace. The word grace in Scripture, in the Greek, is charis or charis. Charity is where we get that from. Interesting enough, the spiritual gifts are charismata, the charismatic gifts. Charismata comes from the word grace. These are all given by grace. And so you can't think of yourself more highly. You didn't do it. You didn't deserve it. You got it from God. So these are unmerited Spiritual gifts are unmerited. They're not evidence of your spirituality. So as you're looking at that list saying, oh my goodness, I don't know if I have, mine's a stinky gift. I got, the, I got the gift of encouragement. That's no good. We'll get there, all right? But it's not some kind of evidence of your spirituality. Because I'm a pastor on a platform doesn't mean that my gift is the most honorable. Not at all. It just means that that is what God has me to do in the body. So it's not evidence of spirituality. It's, it's given by God. It's not a barometer of your worth. Please today don't leave saying, oh man, I'm not, I don't know what my gift is and I'm not using my gift. It's not a barometer of your worth. It's what God gave us as a remedy for the church. Spiritual gifts are to be understood by faith. It's interesting. There's two words in the first verses, for by the grace given to me, and then, He talks about think of yourself not more highly than you ought to think. And in accordance with the faith God has given each of you. The spiritual gifts are from grace by faith. And they need to be understood by faith. What is faith? Faith is believing in what is not seen but true. Hebrews 11, 1-3. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith, confidence in what you cannot see, putting your faith, trust, I believe this, spiritual gifts. You're not giving them. It's not tattooed on the bottom of your foot. You can't like, oh, I'm, I'm a prophet, okay. No, y- you, you need to discover those gifts and then you need to put them into service and it's, it's by faith that you do that, believing that that's what God has done in you. And what he's doing through you. So that's how you think correctly. Now let's think corporately. Why did God give us spiritual gifts in the church? And why didn't he give all of them to Colton? And we all just let, come let Colton do everything. Why, why didn't God just let Colton do everything? Because that would be easier. Nope. It's all about the body, the body of Christ. So how do we think corporately? I'm not called to be independent and self-sufficient. Don't past this point too quickly. Uh, as, as Americans, we, by default, are rugged individualists. Our whole nation was, was set out on rugged individualists, and we we extol rugged individualism. We we, we actually like, wow, that guy pulled himself up by the bootstraps. Woo-hoo! We love those stories, right? Uh, and, and America's made on that. I don't know if any of you watch a public TV. This past week's my favorite week of the year. I record it every year over and over again, um, alone in Alaska. Have you ever seen this? Some dude, I don't know his name, but back in the 50s, he took a camera into the, by himself into the woods of Alaska, and he filmed himself building a cabin, but he built the tools to build the cabin. It's fascinating. I'll watch that for hours. And I don't know why I'm so drawn to that, because if you put me in the middle of Alaska, Say goodbye because I'm dead tomorrow. I'm not going to survive. And and I watched this guy. I mean, he's like, today I'm just going to fall 50 trees and skin them. I'm like, what? And he does. He falls the trees. He hauls them by himself. He skins them by himself. I'm like, this guy's crazy. He got there in June. And by June 19th, he had a cabin. I'm like, what? This is crazy. This guy's amazing. There's like four episodes of Alone in Alaska. You should watch it. We resonate with that. I mean, I wake up the next morning, Julie slept through the whole thing. I wake up the next morning and I'm thinking to myself, she needs to know I'm a man's man. I shall build something for us today. (laughs) I shall fall trees. I mean, (laughs) nothing good's coming out of any of that. We, We love that though. We love the rugged individualists who can do it all by themselves. And you know what God did? In God's wisdom, God said, no, no. You cannot operate independently. You'll hear that today because we're Americans. I don't I don't need a church. I don't go anywhere on Sundays. I go out into the woods and I hunt and I'm with the Lord. That's wonderful if you love that. If you love that, you should do that. But that's not church. You don't have church by yourself in the woods. I personally love Maui, Hawaii. I feel closest to God on the Black Rock in Maui, Hawaii. But that's not church. I should go as many times as I can. But that's not church. We got some really weird thinking, especially in America, about church. You're not called to be independent. And you are not self-sufficient. Now, this is where you might say, ooh, what you talking about, PD? You're not self-sufficient. When it comes to spirituality, need the body. Some of you probably just need to go home, look in the mirror today and say, I need the body. And we don't, want, we don't necessarily like that because we'd rather think, no, I'm a rugged individualist and I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. Yet. No, nope, nope. Scripture is clear. You're not called. I'm not called to be independent and I'm not called to be self-sufficient. I am to practice interdependency. Let me be the first one to tell you today. I need you. I need you. The church body. As as a pastor, I need you. And as a youth pastor, Pastor Ben needs you. The body. Amen. Amen. All the elders at Oakwood. We're not at some level where all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're above. No, no, we're all the same. Get used to it. Like as a pastor, I'm one of the elders. We always have to say that. PD's on the elder board, but he's just one of the elders. He doesn't get an extra vote. Guess what? In the body, you're just one of the body. We need each other. We are interdependent upon each other. And so what it means is I am both weak and strong in spiritual gifts it's so beautiful that God said, nope, Colton's not going to get every spiritual gift. I'm not going to let him have them all the gifts because I'm going to give him some strong ones. And then he's going to have to count on somebody else to do what he's weak in. We need each other. The church cannot function without you. It was God's plan and it just won't work. You just, you just can't have a church where one person is the superstar and I know we have churches today built on mega ch- pastors, but I'm going to tell you that's just unbiblical. Stop worshiping pastors. And pastors, if you're listening, stop setting yourself up as a superstar. We need each other. God only gives each Christian some of the gifts. You must gather to get the rest of the gift. When I was a youth pastor, this is way old, Pastor Ben will laugh at this so, so hard. You know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have computers, remember? And then, remember those days? Didn't have cell phones. I know you I mean, we had to beat on rocks to call each other, right? Hey, you know. But I had this great idea as a youth pastor. My thing was I wanted parents and teens to communicate. As a youth pastor, you could tell the kids, like, here's very important. I've been telling you this for three months, but the due date is next week. They'll never tell their parents that. And and the parents are like, how come you never told us? And so I was always frustrated that I couldn't get parents and teens on the same page. And so what I would do is, U.S. Mail, that's how we sent things back in the day. I would send half of a poster to the parents and half of it to the teens. And they'd have to come together to get all the information. I had to pay for that. I had to pay stamps for that, right? But it, it, it just... I needed them all to come together, right? The Beatles said it best. Come together right now, right? The church must come together. God said, huh? not one person can have everything. You gotta, you're gonna have to come together. And whoop whoa When it all comes together, then everything is there. And then the church is powerful. And then the church is effective. But we must come together. You're weak and strong. That's okay. That's okay. Don't beat yourself up. It was God's plan. I am strong in the area of my gift, but I am weak in the areas where others have been gifted. All right? Now, I'm not going to tell you what my strengths are, and I don't want you to be shouting out what my weaknesses are. But all of us have strong areas of giftedness. Others are weak in some areas. But here's the deal. However, I am not exempt from biblical commands. This is where it's really interesting to talk about spiritual gifts because you can leave today and Rusty could go home and say, well, I looked at them all over and I'm strong in evangelism, but I'm not very good at giving. So no money's coming to the church because it's just not my gift. (laughs) You could say, I am strong at prophecy or exhorting. I'm really good at telling people what they should be doing, but I don't really want to do mercy. I'm not strong in the gift of mercy. Let me just tell you guys something. God is an amazing. It's, it's so awesome how He built the church. It really is an amazing thing. There's nothing like it. There's not another institution like the church. Matter of fact, there's not another institution that has lasted as long as the church. God's plan works. God said, you only get one or two or three of the spiritual gifts, but you definitely need to come together with other gifts so that we can be effective. But here's the deal. Just because I gave you a gift doesn't mean you're off the hook on my commands. And guess what? God tells all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Did you notice that in the Great Commission, he doesn't say, now everybody with the gift of evangelism, here comes your command. No, all y'all. Everybody say it with me. All you all, we're going south here this morning. All you all have to speak the gospel. We're all commanded to evangelize. The good news is some people are really good at it. Amen? Isn't it great when you see an evangelist, they're like, oh man, phew, he does that so good or she does that so well, right? But it doesn't mean you are off the hook in evangelism. When it comes to giving, God tells all of us to be cheerful givers. Isn't it great that some people have the spiritual gift of giving? They do. Some people do. I know one. I know a person who, they're a wonderful giver. If they see a need, they meet a need. The checkbook is flying. They just give. And they give it with a cheerful heart. I love to see those people that have that spiritual gift. But all of us have been called to give. Remember I taught about tithing? Remember, some of you might, I'm going to recap in case you got the wrong message. Remember I taught you that the rule no longer is 10%? Remember, and some of you are like, oh, phew, good, the rule's not 10%. Jesus made it harder. I I didn't say you can give 0% or 1%. What I taught was there's no longer an Old Testament law teaching you that you have to tithe 10%. Jesus upped the ante he said, you, 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 know, you, you used to have to just give 10%. Now I want you to give everything. <laughs> give it all. I mean, you got to be so generous, so self-sacrificing. So the rule is no longer 10%. Some of y'all ought to be giving 12 or 15 or 20. I don't know, but we ought to be. And if 10% was like the low bar mark, see, Jesus didn't come and do away with the old law. He actually made it harder. Remember, remember the Old Testament law was do not murder. Remember that low bar rule? That was a great rule. Okay, I'm going to pummel you and but i'm not going to kill you But i'm just going to pummel you right that was a great law right jesus came and said you heard it said you should no longer murder but i tell you you can't even have hate in your heart he raised the he didn't do away with the old testament rule the rule don't murder is still there but you should also not pummel people <laughs> and so what do you think he did with giving did he get away with it no i hope he didn't get the wrong message i hope i mopped up on aisle three today i'm on three aisles of cleaning up I didn't teach you that tithing was no longer true. Giving is a spiritual thing that we all must incorporate into our lives. It's how we should live as Christians. But some people have the spiritual gift of giving. I'm not strong in all the gifts, but I'm not exempt from the biblical commands to get out of anything. So that's how it's corporately. It's in a body. And then there's a call to act constructively. So how do we put this together? I must exercise my gift in the church body so that the body of Christ can function properly. If you don't think your gift is important or it's not effective at Oakwood and you don't give it, then we're missing out. We aren't functioning at 100% if you're not serving. That's the way God made his body. Each one should do what they're gifted to do in the body. We can't function properly without you. Remember he said, the foot can't say to the hand, I'm not a hand, so therefore I'm a stinky and a sock. Something like that. Um, We shouldn't compare ourselves to other gifts and we shouldn't think that our gift doesn't matter. It matters. All gifts matter. I must selflessly and diligently carry out the gift God has graciously given me. So how do I do that? Well, I got to know and develop my spiritual gift. Here's where I have to tell you, I'm going to leave you a little bit without today. We're not going into spiritual gifts in depth, but there are resources for, to help you discover your spiritual gift. Uh, spiritual assessment tools you can take online. It'll take you through a series of questions and probably point out maybe one or two of the things that God has gifted you. You can do those, but we'll try to do that as a church in the near future, okay? So know and then develop that spiritual gift. Can I just say, for example, the speaking gift. I remember being in seventh grade and getting up and speaking to my class. The, the teacher asked me to do a devotional. And so, you know, she was thinking two minutes. I think I went 30 in seventh grade. And I think about then people are like, uh oh, <laughs> this guy probably has a gift. But I hope he goes to school and learns to do it better, right? And so we, we have gifts, but you can develop your spiritual gift. Number one, you got to know it to develop it. But we, we need to know our gift and then develop it. And then devote myself to passionately acting upon what I'm gifted to do in serving God's church. i got to devote myself to that. I want to be doing that. And then finally, I need to avoid exercising my gift in a way that's inconsistent with God's grace. we got to be careful not to abuse spiritual gifts. We have to be careful not to, um, again, right back to what Paul was teaching, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. We need you. You need the body. And we do need to be careful. I've had people that have come to me and told me, I, I am a, an evangelist. And, um, you know, I, I am a pastor. Um, I, I would be very careful of just proclaiming who you are to a church um and, and and maybe it needs to be also borne out with other people. The people of the body. I think that's why God puts us in a body. I think the body ought to recognize your gifts. I, I think other people ought to recognize. It's no good for you to walk around saying, I'm this, and everybody around you is going, Oh no, no, you're not. Don't do that. Stop. And oftentimes the people that are saying these things out loud are going to the showier gifts. And Paul talks about some gifts, you know, are honorable and, you know, some gifts, you know, he talks about the body, about the parts and all that. But I don't want you looking up the gifts and saying, ooh, this is, this is my gift. This is what I am. Everybody, I'm this gift. And be careful of that. I think the body ought to be able to, to recognize and say, oh, definitely, I see that in you. I can see that in you. The beautiful thing is when God gifts us, it becomes pretty evident. And other people will see that gift in you and hopefully encourage you to serve in that gift. But be careful. That would be abusing it and thinking too highly of yourself more than you ought to think. And then I want to talk just real briefly in closing. And Ben, why don't you come on up? Tracy, bring up your team. This is a hard concept. But there are giftedness, and then there's the office and role of some of those gifts. And just because you have a gift to shepherd doesn't mean you're a pastor. Um, Some of you are incredible shepherding people. That doesn't make you a pastor of a church. Uh, I was just talking on the phone to somebody just yesterday, and they were like, so-and-so is claiming they're a pastor, and their life's a mess, but they're going around telling everybody they're a pastor. And I said, well, listen, the misunderstanding there is you're a pastor when a church calls you to be a pastor, Not when you call yourself a pastor. Not when you go to the Cracker Jack box and you go online and get your certificate so you can marry people. Uh I don't want to ask how many reverends we have in the audience today. That does not make you a pastor. You might have the gift of shepherding and exhorting and, and even prophecy, but until a church calls you to that role, that's not who you are. That's why we have roles of pastor, elder, and deacon can I deacon without being a deacon? You better be because deacon means serve. I'm guessing there's a lot of people who have the gift of serving. You don't have to be on the deacon board to serve, but that's a role that the church calls people to. Elders are elders when the church calls the person to that role. You might have some of the gifts of that, but until you're called to that, you're not called. Does that make any sense? So I would just urge you just because your aunt's niece's cat got ordained so they can marry somebody, that doesn't make them a pastor, okay? And so we all ought to be careful with the spiritual gifts. We'll teach more on spiritual gifts. The key to this whole thing is, what is your spiritual gift? And the conclusion today is simply this. Offer yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. That's step number one. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? because we're saved, now how do we live this out? Offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice. Number two, study scripture to understand your spiritual giftedness. Number three, obey the commands of scripture, even the ones you're not gifted in. Evangelize, give, you know, encourage. Four, commit yourself to see a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. You might be somebody that attends Oakwood and you see some of our shortfalls. You're probably going to see the shortfalls that are your strengths because that's the ones you tend to notice, right? You're like, man, do they need more administration at that church. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Where's my administrators? Where's my administrative gifted people? We need leadership at Oakwood. Yes, yes, we do. We should gift leadership. We need you to lead. That's what Paul said here. Again, don't go too far into those words and try to parse them. I don't think Paul was trying to. He said, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's serving service, teach, teach. If it's courage, encourage, give, give. Lead, lead. (laughs) Mercy, show mercy. I think Paul's simply saying, God gave you something. And that is the gift to the church. I'm not saying you're God's gift to the church, but in a sense, he made part of you what we need to be whole amen let's serve let's serve father god in the name of jesus help us to understand these things thank you that paul dove into them and we could take a look into that today and i pray that if people at oakwood are wondering what their spiritual gift is that they would pursue that and god that you'd encourage them to use that gift in ministry to your body here at oakwood in jesus name amen